Hey, welcome back to the studio. It's lovely to be here again. And we are slightly split today. So we have the studio and the online studio. So uh, with me today, I'm Ian, Editor-in-Chief of Internet Retailing. With me in the studio is... Jamie Merrick from Salesforce. And more importantly, over the airwaves, Jenny, please do introduce yourself to uh, our listener. Hi, I am Jenny North. I'm Head of Digital Experience at Hobbycraft. I've been at Hobbycraft for six years. Six years? Oh my God, it's taken us this long to get an interview. You said the word hobby and everybody gets excited. Craft, everyone's mm-hmm. excited. So we want to get back to that. But first of all, um, tell us, give us a thumbnail sketch of uh, six years and before. How did you get to Hobbycraft and move into the craft sector? Yeah, so I've been in B2C online retail since the, I'd say the mid noughties. So about six or seven years into my career. So following uh, uni, I worked for an agency that were, they were sort of a pre-internet, pre-millennium bug, um, business to business agency, the software house, really 100 people, 80 of which were developers, and they were more focused on business to business connectivity pre-internet and then they sort of evolved with the internet into online interchange of um, b2b information and then also they sort of they were one of the many that built an early online shop what that might look like so I started as a grad doing a bit of sort of helping and a bit of everything in a grad type way and but when you're in a building with a hundred with 80 developers you you do (laughs) I just thought I might as well learn to code and I might as well start looking after the website so I became very interested in web experience at that point and then from there made my next move to Farrow and Ball. So uh, that was my um, first online retail sort of B2C site management kind of role and I've just stayed in it and I uh, was at Farrow and Ball. Then I moved to, I did a couple of years in financial services for a GS insurance. Then I moved to B&Q and then moved along to Hobbycraft. So wow. stayed, stayed in the same kind of role. So code, doors, walls, the paint that covers them, and the insurance as well. So you've covered more or less all things. But you didn't say, my job is e-com or my job is coding or websites. We're talking about experience. So how would you define the experience role in the context of retailing? Well, I think there's two things I would say to start with and just in a maybe a slightly more conceptual way first of all i think that the the digital product or the digital experience that a brand has is as important or sort of adjacent to the products and services that any brand sells so that's you know i think that the the feeling that a customer gets after interacting with a retailer is driven by did they have what I want and how did it how was it to get it and and they sort of sit hand in hand and both can break that that relationship so I think that's what my role is all about how does it feel to actually access the product and complete my mission with that brand and it's also about how did it make me feel was it was it friction free and forgettable and I'm that was that what that's what I was looking for or did it surprise and delight me and 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 everyone's different and so what they're looking for and what what takes a surprise or what takes a delight is different for everyone so it's it's not a one-size-fits-all approach but that's sort of my top line more kind of abstract summary of what I think experience (laughs) is in reality experience is about 
a roadmap of small, medium and large major features that your capabilities that you need to offer to your customer. It's about all the smart things that you can do using technology to improve the performance of a, of a journey, whether it be from a business benefit or customer benefit, usually both, or, and, and, you know, removing friction, being really smart and being in the detail and using, you know, harnessing technology to do things that aren't the same as shopping in a physical world. It's, mm. it's a very different sort of cognitive experience. Yeah. I mean, I think that's spot on, especially because if we move towards the hobby slash craft markets these are things where it's not just a one-off purchase like i want this season's new t-shirt top or trousers these are generally well there's a proportion of people who are expert passionate replenishing learning so it's a very different level of engagement i would uh, assume um but since I said assume why didn't i just ask you <laughs> uh, tell us about the 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 hobby craft market to begin with i've given you my assumptions how do you see it when you look across all of the crafts well yeah i mean you're right it's 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 really not like fashion or you know not comparable to lots of different other different verticals i mean first of all craft in general has grown so craft originated really from more functional make do and mend all sorts of different origins but what's happened with craft and where the hobby craft brand has grown up is inside some there's some really sort of significant macro trends that, that surround our lives around there's mindfulness sustainability responsible sourcing individualism and and how technology social media have made us all sort of architects of our own persona and 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 everyone wants to be unique and and everybody wants therefore to have uniqueness in their lives and and making something is a is unique so making and you know shopping locally understanding exactly where something was sourced slow fashion all of those things craft sits firmly in in there and and so does the sort of side hustle culture as well because there's no barriers to sell anymore you can, anyone can make something and get it sell, uh, transactional online the same day it's not it's not expensive and it's very democratic so these all you know, recognizable macro trends that anyone can see around them and crafts, you know, hobby crafts grown up and, and is re very much sits within all of those behaviors. So, so that's why hobby craft has grown and why hobby craft continues to evolve and innovate. But the actual customer and the market is very tough because first of all, a lot of um, purchases are low value. So you're working hard to build your get to your numbers you've got a lot of transactions to get to big numbers that an average basket from in fashion or luxury especially they they don't have to work so hard they're not peddling quite as furiously um and but also crafters are a really discerning bunch they're really resourceful and they they're on a mission and they're not really brand driven they're not particularly brand loyal they're looking for something very specific at the right price that will do the job for something very unique they're making and that's what they care about they don't care about oh but I must buy it from Hobbycraft or must buy it from another brand so they're a tough tough audience and they're always doing something that you can never quite predict <laughs> what they're doing um, I do have a funny anecdote where we were doing a user focus group once and we recruited crafters and we said right to get the ball rolling just tell us about your current project and then we'll use that as the context for the journey we'd like you to go on with us 
ask that question the answer we got first person 10 past nine in the morning well I'm just knitting a nativity scene and I need some (laughs) brown yarn that's quite hairy to be the roof of the stable and that was it and there we had 45 minutes on is it hairy enough to be the roof of the stable you know you just you can't predict what journey people are on and that every journey is unique so these guys they're resourceful they're innovative and they're so invested they're so passionate it matters so much to them and that's you've got to get it right for those people because Mm. craft's important to them and that's we're holding that in their hands if we invite them on a craft journey but also that journey isn't about craft of itself it's about that nativity play or about the enjoyment so again it's it's uh, an extra challenge so we've touched on knitting nativity knitting which i'm sure is a, a big subgenre i don't want to <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. exclude sure? anybody and then there'll be architectural knitting and so on <laughs> so we've got um needle craft knitting woolly type things soft craft soft craft thank you then and um, you should have a better word for it i know so <laughs> <than> that <laughs> you've got a great word for that tell us the other big categories so that we're not just limited by our own experiences of making, playing, passions, etc. So we've got soft. What else have we got? Um, artists. So where we're the sort of, we call ourselves the home of arts and crafts, art oh, yeah. is quite different. And the artists like to keep themselves perhaps a bit separate from some of the other crafts. So an artist perhaps, so sometimes, they, you know, they... There's lots of, you know, artists could be student or um, could be somebody who's really serious about their art, wants to get in a gallery, wants to sell their art. So they have very specific, um, that's a very specific category. It's a high high value, high turnover category for us. So that's that's a big one for us. That's a key focus for us. And that's grown actually very well for us in the last few years. A lot of independent art stores are sadly no longer around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is a, a need for these um, products still in the in the physical world as well as online. Mm-hmm. Um Kids crafting is absolutely phenomenally popular, as you can well imagine. That's a big area for us. Then we've got knitting, sewing, the soft crafts. And then we've got hobbies and crafts. So things like jigsaws, making candles, just dabbling, sort of mm-hmm. dabbling sort of past the Sunday, rainy Sunday afternoon sort of crafts at home. And then the big other one, which is the high value one, is um, what we call digital crafting. Ooh. So that's a really interesting vertical within craft that usually involves well it, ha- it does involve investing in a in a cra- digital craft machine some of which um, cut with a blade some of which are laser cutters some oh, of which yes. are sort of a type of printer but it, it's sort of one of those things it's like the world's best kept secret and once you know you don't really realize that what's happening out there in terms of the innovation in craft Mm. and how for sort of 200 300 pounds you can invest in a machine that can run a business for you personalize anything customize and that's what sort of back to where i was sort of talking a lot about individualism what we talk to in craft it's more sort of normal to say personalization so you can personalize anything even in its most basic sense put someone's name on something that you can you can personalize anything it's it's, Mm -hmm. a lot of it's originated from the states actually there's some big brands in the states and and it's very much an american behavior to you know have have it be proud of your surname and have that on a plaque on you know on the kitchen and 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 or have your kids names on your you know, we all have kids always want hoodies now with their surname on the back. It's, it's all come from America. But there's some fantastic machines that are, um, I mean, we've we've listed two or three different types of machines that are hundreds or thousands of pounds that we've listed on our site where normally we have a 
fairly low AOV and 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 we've, they've sold really well. The market's picked up really well. So digital crafting is probably the highest value, fastest growing vertical within mm. craft. So it sounds like you have to be all things to all people and talk in the way that they would like you to talk to them, which sounds to me very daunting, bearing in mind also, the, the areas you just covered. In terms of expertise. I know, that's what I mean. So it sounds like you get the wrong side of the crafting market, you know, just by the way in which you talk about it. So is that a real challenge that you're continually trying to keep up with what's going on? Yeah, and there's various things, you know, various parts to that. So there's, we are, you know, we're a department store. We sit across maybe about 12 different crafts. So, you know, we're juggling a lot. We've got about 25,000 SKUs spread across all of those different crafts with a fairly lean, you know, there's about 140 of us at our head office running that operation. But we sort of are quite crafty ourselves in the way that the business, you know, culturally, it's not the corporate it's not the corporate culture that I've experienced and everyone, you know, in, in certain businesses experiences day to day. And there's lots of there's lots of value in that corporate sort of machine. But Hobbycraft is literally crafty in the sense that we are we're entrepreneurial, we're innovative and we I mean in our stores we tend our store colleagues, we tend to we recruit crafters because it's not really gonna work unless you've got someone with certain level of knowledge experience of crafting to, to talk to crafters the sorts of questions they're going to get asked it's just not going to go well I mean so much so that we we elevate our colleagues um, and our store colleagues they have the opportunity to be what's called a hobby craft artisan where they become we use them very much on social media and we we use our colleagues in stores that have so much talent and passion we give them the opportunity to have this status of artisan and then we use them in our sort of workshops so you know we might talk about we, we have a workshops um, online and in-store workshops offering and we do a lot a, a lot of social media we, we we offer a lot of ideas on the site so we have to respect this community by showing them that we understand them and the only way we can understand them is to sort of be them and be in their shoes and so quite most of you know our office is is full of crafty you know it just looks like a crafter's playroom and we 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 are all sim- you know passionate crafters makers or know someone who is mm. so how does the balance work then between you talk about the internal experts but there must be a tug that says hobby craft or hobby tube is ready to roll 24 hours a day, inspiration, etc. So, you know, if you look on YouTube or even TikTok, it, it's literally a hobby crafting ideas machine where you go from, you know, nothing to French cook in eight hours and so on. So you, where do you draw the line between waiting for customers to come to you and service them versus being out in the social media's building up or contributing this the inspiration and the sort of the media side of crafting i think you use that lovely phrase you know architects of your own persona how much external to your site are you doing to build up these sort of velocity and interest in crafting again co- sort of content marketing if you like is you know that's been it's been around for a while and that's definitely quite central to what we do and for that reason as you say really in because we you, we can't really not do that because we're selling components we're not you know we're not selling the outcome and we have to sell the component and we have to sell the value and the idea and the, and the, the the journey as well we you know we can't be an authentic arts and crafts retailer without doing both and and our marketing department are very 
much their priority or a lot of their time is really focused on content marketing for that reason so, you know different market you know go into a different any business and you go to a marketing department and they they have their own dna and that's the dna of ours is our marketing team is content marketing mm-hmm. so we are we work with the maker community a diverse maker community um to offer ideas and we try and keep it edited but we've got about probably around two two and a half thousand ideas on our website but then obviously our social you know we've been very strong in social for a very long time um and so we share that sort of socially as well and we also bring our bring makers together so we we bring in anyone who's showing who's making and tagging us and telling us about it we will then um share that so yeah social media and content is probably our key marketing channel and has been especially as we've grown really um you know, we've never had big, t- you know, TV budgets. You know, our marketing budget has always been pretty lean. So we've had to use those channels, but they work well for craft. But, I mean, you may say that the budget's lean, but you're putting in quite a lot of investment into doing it, you know, sort of generally, as you just described. But also, you know, you're talking about your the crafters, the artisans and the stores. That's, you know, you can only get a certain type of person and maybe they're a bit more expensive and all that sort of stuff. So my point is... Considerable investment all round may not be a headline budget, but but a lot goes into it, and that must be, you know, when you're saying people don't order very much, the average order value is low, and they don't have much loyalty and all that sort of stuff. That must be quite a burden sometimes, wasn't it? Or yeah, I mean, retail's retail's tough, isn't it? So um, we we try to you know we try to prioritise and focus on the things we you know we we track and do everything we do is trackable. So like any business, we're justifying you know we're justifying what we're doing and we're trying to prioritise and focus on the things that do drive value. You know, as a business, we we focus on the bottom line like any retailer. So we do prioritise. You know, it's it's hard work with, <laughs> with a lower you know a lower basket. Mm. And um, my impression over the covid lockdowns is that everybody became a crafter of sorts so we we saw most online businesses doing very well and then dropping back so how did that enforced lockdown entertain the kids entertain yourself did that benefit the business and has there been a change then with the post covid phase Yes, so we were definitely in the sort of bikes and puppies category during <laughs> lockdown. We banana were bread, bikes, puppies, absolute, build, build your yeah. own puppy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we absolutely boomed. We felt the pain of having stores shut, which was an unimaginable you know, for 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 a store retailer to think of your stores are going to be shut for, mm. I don't know, a totality of eight months. Is you'd think, well, that's the you know we'd be finished as a business. So mm. yeah, that was incredibly painful, but. We did, we did, you know, but of the online channel, like like so many retailers, then became we became a pure play, and we absolutely sort of leapt forward five years in terms of volume, in within within a matter of months. So it was very busy, and yeah. So and what we found really was that people that were existing crafters, even really regular crafters, they really turned to their craft for solace at that point. So they stocked up on everything, and they 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 sort of ramped up on their velocity. Any previous crafters or sort of dabbling crafters they picked back up something that they'd tried three years ago so they were back in it um, and then everyone else (laughs) yeah yeah and then otherwise yeah it was buying a jigsaw and even non-crafters thought well I'll give something a go so and and uh, you know and it got to the point obviously we were then really struggling with stock and availability Mm. and at one point I I remember just sort of looking at the site and looking at what was being bought and, and thinking 
anything we list is going to get bought today. You know, it was just, it, 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 the, I, think, I think the customer journey became, I'll buy what there is. When we make decisions and we want to make changes, we, we're quite speedy in the way we do it. And we like to just get something out in the market and trial it. So we, we're quite sort of focused in that sense. But even, even so, transitioning a, a store business to be truly multi-channel in the way it thinks is hard for any business. And, but we were suddenly making decisions about how much resource we needed, what, who, who owns what. We were making those decisions with, no, you know, same day. So culturally, we moved on five years and five months and we scaled up where we needed to scale up in terms of operationally in order to, to do so. So we never, we haven't looked back but we've had um, and we're still performing ahead of where we were pre-pandemic but Mm -hmm. yes there's definitely been a slowing down of some of those more peripheral customers that we picked up they you know now you know there's a lot of people now prioritizing meals and holidays we it's settled back down again but we're still haven't looked back from an online point of view in terms of how we think of online as a business and and how we trade because yeah, that that sort of period in time, I suspect there's a lot of people who do it because it makes them takes their mind off stuff. Do you have any? You know, do you know? I'm sure you do, but know about your customers and why they do crafting. You know, some people do it for money, and some people do it for other things. Do you know kind of broadly what the stats are, and and therefore you know how to sort of service that as well as you possibly can. We know, we know, like most businesses have got personas, and we sort of understand yeah. certain sort of demographic or sort of life stage type typical behaviors but yeah we tend to use what we call need states and we've got eight of those and they sort of overlap but yeah the the need states are connection and and so sort of social connection um entrepreneurship gifting sharing skills expression and creativity giving back and charity and then mindfulness and sort of therapeutic uh, benefits. So they're the need states. But what we actually found when we really did, we did a piece sort of about two years ago to really get into these need states. But what we do find is even though they're, they're very much at the core of what motivates someone to craft, they don't, it's not something that we then have a, li- that has a linear relationship. Therefore we need this button or this signpost on the site. It's, it's not so explicit. They're very much the underlying need states mm-hmm. of the customer, but they help to, unify the needs of a customer that aren't anything to do with what craft they're doing or what their, their demographic um, status is mm. that but they're they're the motivations and they all have fairly equal overlapping importance so for example entrepreneurship we have lots of initiatives where we focus on well this is a new proposition or this is a new range or this is something we're looking at but what can we? What are we doing for small businesses? So you know, we've just launched a new subscription called Hobbycraft Plus, which is for small businesses specifically to have unlimited. You know, it's a bit of a sort of Amazon Prime style, unlimited delivery, fifteen percent off every purchase. So that if you, I think the the sort of break even point is eighty pounds. If you spend eighty pounds or more with us a year, you're going to start benefiting with this subscription. So. And we also, on top of that, offer um, seminars on how to market your business. We bring, you know, the makers community that we work with, we bring in the experts that help around setting up your business, marketing your business, managing your PR and your social. So it's a sort of a rounded package, but we're we're always looking at the small business community as well because Mm -hmm. they are so significant within the mix. Just out of interest, just because I want to know, (laughs) which is your biggest mind state or which which mind state has the most customers in it? I mean, I don't think we can map that exactly no. because it's such a sort of underlying 
emotion and there's so much overlap but we have a matrix where we look at all of our sort of 10 core crafts and we map how many of the need states are really relevant to that and they, and they so certain crafts over and under index across those minds uh, those need states and that then helps inform sort of the way we position things the language we use the images we use and the products that we focus on Fascinating. Yeah, it is. I'm sure people are going to be replaying that bit <laughs> to just copy down those needs data. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling we need to move on, mainly so we can go and do some 3D printing and crafting and yeah. knitting a, an office. Um, <laughs> what, what have you got on your plate, uh, Jenny? There's there's so much that's interesting here, so many categories. You've been very lucid uh, about the customer and how you're connecting with them. I wouldn't be surprised if you've got quite a few projects uh, that are on, on your plate. Do you want to share any of those with us? Yeah, so I've already mentioned subscriptions, which we um, launched two subscriptions in the last couple of weeks. And, and so a quick also... pause, sorry, because uh, we are launching a new uh, one-day event called uh, Subscription X next oh. May. So thank you for volunteering to speak, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> we have that. Uh, that. But um, tell us about the subscription bit first. So is this a, sort of an Amazon Prime-esque? Uh, um, probably vaguely inspired by, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we've got two subscriptions and, and we, we just identified really that, I mean, obviously subscriptions are a, a growing, they're an economy in itself, aren't they? And, and mm. we all, you know, most people have a subscription of some sort, um, Amazon Prime being the most obvious, or then you've got your sort of streaming subscriptions are probably also the most common. But actually within craft, when you dig into it, there's so many subscriptions there and they probably are, and you know, growing in all, in all sectors, all verticals. Yeah. We researched quite a few and we've so far launched the Hobbycraft Plus, which is the one I just described, which is for small business users. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've also got one called Cutting create so that is for digital crafters so you've got a machine and then you need to buy the consumables so you need to feed it with um materials that would be iron on or or adhesive or there's lots and you're going through that at a certain rate so again that's just giving you um a 10 percent discount on all of consumables free next day delivery and um also sort of downloads design digital designs to use etc so that's targeted specifically at the digital cutting market and we'll go on to look at more um so that's our sort of step into the subscriptions economy and we also um, a couple of years ago now stepped into the experience economy with our workshops so that's online and install workshops which really grew with us over the pandemic they worked really well online over the pandemic but they're still doing well for and us now so and Jane, that's using are... our stores as a venue right i was going to ask because we we sort of skipped around this when we were talking about social media and youtube which of course tend to be free and for profile so these are paid for like a sort of online learning meets yeah. netflix kind of thing correct yes they're paid for and we send you book yourself onto the workshop it can be online or it could be in one of our stores so in stores whether they're online or in stores they're run by our store colleagues and our store artisans um, and we send you a box with everything you need or if you come into store we have the box there waiting for you and yeah you make a wreath make you know there's we, they're very popular for, with kids we do a lot of kids workshops mm-hmm. sometimes we run the kids workshops for free and because that's really valuable to us to get get families and kids into the store that works well for us um and they they you know they're a big sellout for us during the school holidays so but yeah that was again 
it, it's partly, to, you know, the experience economy is another one that especially coming back to life a lot now. And um, again, if we want to be the leading arts and crafts retailer in the UK, we need to be making with our customers. We can't just sell the products. We've got to sell the ideas and then we've got to make with them as well. Mm. So that was, that's really, that's, that's um, a couple of things. But then we relaunched our website this year. So that was a big change in terms of moving into the sort of fully agile way of managing our feature roadmap. So we um, released to the site every two weeks. So that roadmap and that sort of digital product management, that's very much front and center of what we do. We're working on, it's, I'm just going to do a sort of a bit of a a leak on the fact that we're working on a consumer app right now. So that will be coming Ooh. into the market in the first half of next year. Um, that's taking up a lot of my time right now, but that's going to be really exciting. And is that a bit early sort of... to mention it, so I won't go into too much detail on and that. Are we talking here about slapping some happiness on a thin website? We're talking about all singing or dancing, training, resources, history. Are you sort of going large on the, the app? We're going sort of medium at the moment with the main lever, so the main value add around personalised loyalty, personalised um, vouchers. Oh, okay. um, so it's sort of, it's really um, giving us and, and helping our store customers that aren't currently perhaps on our email database or um, interacting with us or, or, com- or getting any comms from us, mm. helping them have a different experience with us. Because our stores have a very loyal radius of customers that then they're very much store sort of preference customers. But we want to be still be able to communicate with them, give them reasons to go to store, tell them what's happening in their store. So yeah. there's lots of reasons for store customers to download the Love app. But it, yeah, it will be loyalty. And then, it, yeah, it then gets us going hobbycraft style we've got you know we'll get something in the market that is valuable and then we'll build and build on that and for me the other thing that I really want to do something great with next year is personalization because as we've talked about we've got this diverse customer base and if somebody is most most crafters have a a primary craft which is their absolute passion a second craft that they they like quite a lot and will do a fair amount and then a dabbling craft so you might have a knitter who's also good at sewing because it, talented people creative people can be quite annoying and can be kind of good at everything can't they so <laughs> do you know anyone like that they just you know they can just turn their hand to anything visual or creative so you do get someone who's good at sewing knitting is their world but they're like yeah but I can run up a dress and then by the way I'll bake with my kids at the weekend so quite often you've got three crafts but if I'm if I've across my 12 crafts if I'm heroing some you know a craft on an art sale on the home page but I'm a sewer baker knitter that means nothing to me so the need for us to personalize our site is I think a big unlock for us and we sort of get close to it and we, we put in the Salesforce um, platform, which, you know, has got customer segmentation. We've integrated it into our customer data platform. So we've, we've starting to sort of, we know who's on the site and we know something about them and we're starting to therefore communicate. But we've got more sort of, from a data point of view, we've got another step to go, which we've identified but next year, I want that to be, for me, the year of personalization where I actually do something that actually makes a difference and is actually really quite innovative in the market because there's not many brands that have really, really cracked it. And I think mm. we're 
close to having the data architecture. We've got the customer insight and we've got the tools and, you know, we've got the impetus now to, you know, that's my my goal for next year. I think our strapline for the um, episode, haven't we? The year of personalization. I think it could be. I mean, it's been the beginning of personalization for about eight years, though. I think that's Oh, well, it. let's not let go. Then but we've, we've never had story. Sewer Baker Knitter before. Well, that's true. So I think we need to come up now with our sort of three hobby, uh, sort of nom de plume. It's going to take me a while. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think so. I, I couldn't. I couldn't get to one. Um, wow, I'm, I'm sort of exhausted now. Exhausted and inspired. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, Jenny's been absolutely fascinating. I'm sure that as this episode goes out, there'll be a rush to people looking at cutters, just wanting to buy one. I'm still thinking about the nativity roof. I'm still working it out of my mind. You haven't got anyway. past that. No, I haven't. That was right at the start as well. It's been a challenge for me. I think yeah, I've never moved care. on from it either. It's weeks of therapy are called <laughs> yes, for now exactly. just to, to get over it. But um, it's a very uh, nice nativity moment. Mm. So, uh, Jane, thank you so much for joining us. You've just opened up so many new thoughts around it, and it's uh, been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. So thank you for that. Oh, that's my pleasure. It's nice to see you both. Great to get to chat. Lovely. Thanks so much.